is he really that great an actor I know. for everyone, including Herzog, to tolerate this behavior? Or more is it like, hey, guess what? This is the last movie we're ever going to do together. Bye. Yeah, you know, know like, know. like, just be like done with it. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? I was what? trying to do that. I don't know if that came through at all. <laughs> it's one fucking hour time, everybody. Uh, I'm Evan Husney, and to my left, we got Big T, Tom Fitz G. What's going on? How go. you doing? Doing yeah. good. Let's get back to business. <laughs> all right. We're going to do that. We're going to do that business with my man to my right. We got Mr. Marcus Herring. What's going on? Welcome back. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Good to be here. Yeah, man. We had a little week off. Uh, I think we enjoyed our, you know, uh, holiday week. Um, of course, I was in Paris, and now I'm back. Whoa. Uh, yeah, had a little fun time really? across the pond, but I'm back. Get ready to get get back into this shit. Um, of course, this is the show where we talk about one goddamn movie for one fucking hour. And tonight's film, oh, so glad we're finally doing this. This has been this has been one that's been on my list to do for a very, very long time ever since we started the show. And guess what? You guys picked it. This is a movie you guys voted for. It was yep. a very yep. tough race. Uh, we had a poll on our Instagram, of course, and you guys picked Werner Herzog's Aguirre, Wrath of God from 19. Just a reminder, though, uh, what, what were the uh, other choices? Just a reminder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if, in case if you don't know, what we've been doing here on the show for the last several weeks, and it's going to extend through the summer, is we're doing this little gimmick thing here. Tonight is episode 72 of the show. So, of course, we're doing a movie from 1972, but we're letting y'all pick which movie it is. And we've been doing that going all the way back to 1967 and so forth. So we put up a poll on our Instagram page. And the, the options for 1972 were uh, Pink Flamingos was one that was oh, on the geez. list. Um, probably the, the, the runner-up uh, for tonight's film was um, Last House on the Left. Very close race. Uh, yep. With, um, and, of course, Aguirre was the one you picked. And then the other film would have been great. But it didn't quite make it <laughs> to the top <laughs> ranks was a heartbreak kid, which we got to do at some point. We're definitely going to do it. Yeah, at some point. we'll get there. Yeah, we'll I mean, if there. we did the seek, if we did the remake, we might as well do the original at some point. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. So yeah. uh, but guys, all of our I'm so I'm so excited because our you know yeah. listeners, viewers have incredible taste. You guys have been picking bangers after bangers for each of the films we've been doing in this series. So it's awesome to be able to do this movie, our second Herzog film uh, that we've ever covered on the show. And this yep, is a yep, big yep. one, man. This is a top tier, yep. top shelf Herzog. So um, very excited. But before we get into the show, real quick, a quick plug for us, because if you guys like the show, you like listening to it, you like watching us, this is the best way to support uh, the show. And that, of course, is our Patreon, patreon.com slash one fucking hour. Uh, it's five bucks a month to sign up, and it is the only place where you can get uh, our one fucking hour audio commentary tracks. We are recording feature length audio commentary tracks 
to new flicks every month. Um, and uh, we've done, what have we done? We've done Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We did yep. Star Wars. And recently, yep. the 1998 Misfire remake of uh, Psycho uh, by Gus Van Zant. The biggest change they make in this film is that you hear Vince Vaughn here. Everybody turn up your volume. You hear him <laughs> fapping. You hear him right. jerking his fucking prick right here. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's in in in, in uh, full color fapping audio right there. But oh, God, that's awesome. which is a lot of fun. So if you want to watch fun. that flick with us, uh, that's the way to do it. But we're going to do something a little different for the next commentary track, which may or may not be up by the time you're seeing this uh, this episode right now as we record. Uh, we're going to throw it out to you guys. We're going to create another poll for the Patreon. So if you want to head over to our Instagram page, if you're watching this, again, within 24 hours of the original broadcast of tonight's show, you'll be able to vote on what the next audio commentary track right. is that we're going to cover yeah. on the Patreon. Yep, we've gone poll crazy here. <laughs> so this mm-hmm. is now a new second poll yeah. that we're starting to take. You guys love polls. Poll crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do a poll to see whether or not people are liking these polls. I think. Yeah. <laughs> No, they are. They are. I mean, we're, we're definitely getting hundreds of votes on these, so I can tell that people are into it. So, um, all right, here's the four titles you're going to be able to pick from. You can vote with uh, or you can vote for right now on our on our Instagram page at one fucking hour. And if we're you, gonna, what what wins, we are going to watch the entire film. Yep. And talk about it like it's a classic DVD commentary. First frame <laughs> yep. to last frame. There you go. That'll be four it. choices. So, Four choices. Here they are. Okay, this is an interesting grouping of films. Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> Caveat. Please don't pick that one. <laughs> Caveat. Caveat. It's a terrible movie. We hate it, and it's we're going to be suffering while we watch it, but you'll be in, probably enjoying us suffering it's, watching it's, it. As- as we say here, it's going to go in the Duncan booth. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. We've covered it on a Movies We Hate episode in the past. Shout out. Um, so it's going to be Requiem for a Dream audio commentary. <laughs> Scarface audio commentary. Whoa. 1983 Scarface. Yeah, we'll be having a fucking blast with Scarface with y'all. Or Hard Right Turn. We'll be doing the Wayans Brothers Little Man <laughs> okay. <laughs> or okay. hard left turn David Lynch's Blue Velvet. So Whoa. you guys Yeah. You guys it's in pick, your hands. It's in your hands. The fate of whatever we're gonna watch, a whole entire movie, record a commentary track. Re- Requiem for a dream, Scarface, Little Man, Blue Velvet. That's right. Make shit. these little monkeys dance to whatever yeah, tune right. you want. Yeah, exactly. We're going to do one of those four, and it's in your hands. Yeah, so there you go. The poll's up right now on the Instagram page. If you're watching this again within 24 hours of the broadcast, at one fucking hour, get in, get in our Instagram stories, vote for which film you want, and of course, sign up for the fucking Patreon so you can watch this audio commentary track. Patreon.com slash one fucking hour. Okay, enough of the plug. Time for the show. You guys ready to do this? One That's fucking hour. Way. Yeah. On Aguirre, Wrath of God from 1972 for our episode 72, directed by Werner Herzog. All right, so I'm going to mm-hmm. get my notes in order here, boys. I got a lot of notes. I don't know about you guys, but I got I got some notes. We got the clock rocking. Clock is coming. Oh, we got to reset that clock. Okay, here oh, we shit. go. Clock is being reset. And 
Here we go. Boom. All right. Okay, of course, just a little uh, setup here for the folks at home on tonight's flick. Uh, so Werner Herzog's Aguirre Wrath of God follows the story of Don Lope de Aguirre, played to amazing perfection by Klaus Kinski in this film, uh, who is a ruthless Spanish conquistador who vies for power while part of an expedition in Peru to find El Dorado, the mythical seven cities of gold. Accompanied by his daughter Flores, uh, Aguirre faces off against his superior Don Pedro de Ursua and grows increasingly volatile after seizing control of the group. As Aguirre presses deeper into the Amazonian jungle, he descends further into madness. Uh, okay. So, I mean, this is, uh, you know, I mean, Herzog in general, obviously amazing. We had covered uh, his film Strozek, another masterpiece previously on the mm. show. He's one of my favorite one of my favorite filmmakers, and actually Aguirre and Strozak kind of vie for or kind of tied almost for my favorite movies um, of Herzog, and I'm you know, and, and they're both just they're both just all star amazing films. Um, and I think one of the things that really makes it's something we definitely like a, a a quality of film that we like and we talk a lot about on this channel is sort of a documentary quality, a, a sort of realism. Yeah that's uh, brought to uh, these movies. We, we definitely champion that here. And this movie is so unique in the fact that it's like a doc realism feel, but for a story that's set in 1560, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, how about that? <laughs> yeah, it's played so flat as if somehow some 60 millimeter cameras were just witnessing these conquistadors, you know, trothing down a mountain to a river and uh you know it's played straight uh except for the incredible score the soundtrack which we'll talk about extensively yeah. of course but uh well yeah so, there's yeah. also there's i mean there is obviously the doc quality that he gives this movie it does kind of chafe a little bit at at moments with heightened you know set pieces of stylization and sur mm -hmm. almost surrealism dreamlike mm -hmm. fever dream madness um, but it has its footing, I would say, in that style. And I think what's really cool mm -hmm. about that is like most period pieces, especially, you know, classic Hollywood period pieces and everything, when you're doing a movie set in this time, it still has this kind of, you know, general film cinematic feel. But this sure. this having this really like authentic, like going for the authenticity of the time, but also making it like... I don't know, in, in like the visual style that we're used to with doc filmmaking, it's just such a cool yeah. way to approach this. Just, like a handheld Just the camera, camera happens to be a fly on the wall capturing it. It's it's a very strange category. It's kind of its own maybe, or at least the first of, uh, you know, I call it historical naturalism, which is a, which is a strange right. beast. Maybe Pasolini touched on that uh, earlier on with um, his Jesus film, but that's probably the closest that I can think of. There's maybe right. a few small... Uh, films but um right no but the thing is uh w what's interesting is like you were saying earlier it's like it, it might be naturalism the the film making style but there's some fantastical things that are happening yeah to this camera that is observing the situation you know a crazed group of, of wild monkeys and uh you know a, a cannibal tribe on fire you know so it's not like you know uh, it's, yeah. it's a fantastical circumstance often happening in front of this cold observational 16 millimeter camera that mm -hmm. fell from the sky in 16 or 15 <laughs> right yeah. and 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 the fact that too that this is also a very low budget production you know something yeah. that i think is also mm -hmm. miraculous 
about this movie is that it, it's able to create this epic period piece, sweeping, crazy prog rock, you know, mm-hmm. um, just epic, epic movie, but just with a very small budget. It was $360,000. The crew was no more than eight people, like eight technicians working on this movie. Wow. It's even hard to put into... Pers- yeah, like like the fact that they are living like the people that you see on right. screen. I mean, they're, they're living mm-hmm. in straw huts. Sometimes those straw huts are floating down the river, you know, alongside right. the rafts mm-hmm. that the actors are acting mm-hmm. on. You know, yeah. this is a very, you know, like the script is kind of haphazard. It's 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 uh, written in prose and Herzog's writing the dialogue on the fly. Uh, Herzog, by the way, is only 28 years old when he's making this movie, which Jesus. is also hard to put into Incredible. context. A guy like that to have that command, yeah. you know, over it. No, I know. And and yeah. if I'm not mistaken, you know, uh, the shoot of you can just assume was as difficult as any shoot ever, except yeah. maybe Fitzcarraldo later. For yeah, right, right. But I heard things like um, the set or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, the, the the where they were filming it flooded you know unexpectedly so he like wrote in that there was flooding for you know the crew who was going yeah. down the river in this narrative you know yeah right? that's that something thing? well that's something that's so cool about him you know about 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 Werner as a director and that's something that's actually really inspiring to me or was especially inspiring to me when i thought one day i could make you know i could be my own you know filmmaker director uh but mm-hmm. just reading in his you know when, when he would write about making movies or his approach his philosophy to making films was always about embracing the elements you know and that was something to me that was very inspiring just this idea of like you go out and you shoot and, and it fucking rains no you don't push the schedule you work the rain into the story into the into the scene yeah. that's there and and very that cool. and 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 that moment you mentioned uh which happened on, on set uh they had uh, shot for the day, they had gone to sleep, and then while they were sleeping, the river had risen 15 feet, basically wow. entrenching, engulfing the set, the set, you know, wow. the, basically the edges of the land. And so uh, it, it actually caused the rafts to float away. All the rafts floated away, and so they lost all the rafts, and so they had to rebuild Jesus. the rafts, which you see in Doc. the film, shot doc style. So he incorporated right. that into the movie that, okay, we lost the rafts, it flooded, we got to build them, so now that becomes part of the story. All the figures chopping in the yeah. background <laughs> is, is in the service of making the film's new yeah. rafts. Yeah, wow. I know. Yeah, and so Aguirre, I, I, man. I, I know, and that's just... It's just it's just amazing. It, it really adds to the whole experience of the movie. One more quick thing, just to kind of put a bow on just the context of where he's making this. As we said, so he's 28 years old. He's got this script that he's kind of writing on the fly. Um, most of the movie is shot with only one camera, which blows my mind. That Jesus. one single camera, which of course, in infamously, Herzog had practically stolen from uh, you know one of the German uh, sort of uh, you know film club i don't know you know oh, yeah he, one he of did these, steal yeah. it right from the film school but he film school, but yeah. he um he said he works backwards and says like you know i needed a camera to make films and this was a very simple 35 millimeter camera so i feel like it, it was it kind of came to me i deserved it you know so i didn't really steal it i needed it you know well I, it was like a justification i didn't yeah. take it i needed it yeah, yeah 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 but he stole well, it he made he, a gear so fuck it yeah right <laughs> no he made he made like 
most of his 70s movies on it so <laughs> okay right. it's like crazy yeah so anyway so but the movie shot with one camera which blows my mind you're seeing all uh, these huge set pieces again a 28 year old guy who's directing like 400 extras in the beginning of the movie and, 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 yeah. and they're in a very remote setting right in yeah. peru or something machu like, picchu like, yeah yeah mm-hmm. okay so and, and like you know it's probably miles away from like yeah. a telephone or a car right yeah, it was like 10 to 15 miles outside of like civilization, but civilization is, you know, <laughs> very, right. in, 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 yeah, it's in, it's in quotes. Um, but mm-hmm. also, so yeah, then, um, but he's doing everything with this movie. He's holding the fort down. We're going to get into this in the hour here. He's battling his lead star, Klaus Kinski, on a daily basis, who's a madman, and he's trying to rein him in. He's trying to rein in the, the mm-hmm. locals that he's cast as the extras. Uh, you know, like the natives and just trying to make this very, very, very complicated film. He's doing the costuming himself. Like he went and sourced all the costumes for this film, which is pretty amazing. There was no costume designer. Uh, It was five weeks shoot for this movie. And uh, he only had, which blows my mind, five to six weeks of editing which is insane. What? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So this 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 movie had no money and it was a fast we had to make it quick and we had to make it fast. And so yeah. that's just that's just incredible to me yeah. like just putting all that in context for how epic this movie yeah. is. It you know. Really is. Yeah. He, yeah. He's just such an interesting filmmaker in general cuz like he's got um you know I can't think of another one person uh, director <clears throat> who makes as many good docs as they do narratives, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean I know that a lot of people dip their toes in both. Scorsese's got docs or whatever, you know, yeah. but I think like just the level of, uh, of Herzog's docs are just, you know, beyond like they're, they're you know, and the fact that they measure up to his narrative films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess a lot of my favorite Herzog films, like you said, are like this, that have that sort of documentary style. And, um, you know, in this one, like you see water droplets, like on the lens, you know, yeah. so it's like, you, you can tell yeah. he's letting that happen. It's on his mind too. He wasn't like, I don't need that. I cut that shot out, you know? Yeah. He wanted that realism. And I think it's like, in a way, the produ- this production like sort of mirrors like what's going on in the story too, right? Because it's like this, the, these uh, conquistadors are in the Amazon. You know, it's very dangerous. The river's this powerful force. But then Herzog's out there making this film in the same kind of haphazard way. Like the folly right. is almost like, you know, mirrored in the filmmaking. Yeah. But the, the art and, you know, the conquistadors fail, but then the art is actually successful. You know, like the art, he was, he didn't die making the film, you know. Um, yeah. I feel no, like... he's also you know, a European coming into a, a very foreign landscape. So there's an, it's an algorithm there in that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, just the documentary style helps like give it a sense of danger. You've got this low budget movie and you're introducing like some action scenes or whatever. And I feel like, you know, not, not a lot like unites Herzog, all of Herzog's works. It's like all over the place, but like his worldview seems kind of consistent throughout. And a lot of times there is like this element of like danger in the filmmaking itself. Like Fitzcarraldo, even Grizzly Man or whatever. It feels like, you know, that, that filmmaker was, that was a dangerous film, you know, that that to be made. So I feel like when he's like short on money, you know, you can pull this kind of switch that's like uh, or this little trick where it's like you're injecting that, you're embracing the danger, you're making the filmmaking is um, is dangerous. And I don't know, we also see that like in, you know, Apocalypse Now or something, the same kind of movie. Sure. Which is, um, I guess, directly, Francis has said, it's de- directly influenced by this film, you know. He that's, was, that's confirmed because you that's really cool. feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he yeah did, definitely. Uh, he did like run the film and uh, watch it once in a while. Well, one, 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 one. Well, 
one thing you said, which I'm glad that you did, was like the, the idea of the water droplets on the lens. Because to me, yeah. that's one of the things that really does make it like register as like doc style to me mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like to see that any other film would have cleaned that lens and we, you know, we have to redo this take. And it's interesting because yeah. I listened to the audio commentary uh, earlier today. And most of the scenes that you're seeing in the movie, like them coming down the mountain or them on the rafts or like even Kinski's monologues, a lot of these things, it's, it's so like kind of lightning in a bottle every single time they're doing these shots that there's only one take. Like right. there, there's no other multiple takes of this stuff. Right. It's all capturing right. it really as it's happening. And I think that is to, to put a bow on your point, Marcus, is like, I think what makes him both a great like narrative filmmaker and a great documentary filmmaker is that he's able to spot these kind of like magical moments that are happening on screen, whether it's like, you know, reality. Well, I guess it is reality. You know, reality if it's happening in a narrative or a doc right. film. Well, like, yeah, like is. those monkeys are that that is a documentary of those monkeys behaving at the end of the film. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. thinking about that, re- rewatching yeah. it. It was like, that's just footage of these monkeys behaving in yeah. their own way. You know? Or or it's like, you know, at, at the top of the show, you know, when I was doing the... You know, that guy, that guy was just a dude <laughs> yeah, yeah. like in the village that, you know, who was, you know, it, it had some intellectual disabilities that Herzog saw and was just like, well, oh, oh. we got to put him in the movie. You know, he's got to be in the movie oh, wow. and let him do his thing. You know, so he also has yeah. that quality to it's it. Shades too. of Bruno S. It is mm-hmm. definitely. Absolutely. So it seems like he, this is sort of like a planned reality. Like they spent months or like weeks or whatever planning out what's going to happen. Right. You know, and then, and whatever then devising happens, happens. the best way to shoot it, you know? Um, yeah. And just to like kind of, uh, explain like what we mean by the doc style like just you know there's the handheld cameras always there you know yeah. and a lot of the scenes take place like in these wide uh shots you know like there's not a lot of editing in some moments you know like the it's mm-hmm. almost like a a 3d play or something you know mm-hmm. or a doc i guess but it's like a single camera capturing a large scene happening and kind of unfolding and your eye is you know following the action but it's not edited it's like it's almost like the opposite of hitchcock or something where they're like uh, you know, the guy puts his, there's a, all these insert shots of like the, the gas pedal and the, you yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah. the, the coverage, all that shit. Yeah. All the coverage. It's like almost the opposite of that, where it's just like you let the scene play out like in one just kind of master shot. One thing I was like really marveling at in this time was that, and the wide angle lens like it's kind of used as an editing style sometimes like, like, uh, uh, the, someone will push into the wide angle. And the and they'll get really big in the frame. Like Kinski might push through the audience, you know, push through the mm-hmm. crowd and get really big in the frame. And all of a sudden, he is like uh, the focus, you know. And he's he's got a close up there. All of a sudden, when it, when it was just a master wide right. shot, yeah. I and I kind of like that. It was like how those the wide angle almost took the place of the editing in some in, in some shots because mm-hmm. you could like focus the attention. Anyway, I just I yeah. Those are the kind of the elements of yeah. like documentary There's cuts within that, the same know. frame in, the, in that sense mm-hmm. as far as uh, focus of uh, yeah. The attention, yeah. Yeah, and like there is also just uh, while we're on the subject, as you were mentioning, there is a lot of choreography going on in terms of like how are we going to capture this? You know, you see very elaborate towards the end of the film, which we'll get into in more detail, of course. But, you know, when they're circling the raft, you know, and they're on Mm -hmm. like a speedboat that's slow circling the raft to create that sort of spinning kind of effect. Um, But then there's also loosey-goosey stuff, too, where the the, uh, cinematographer who's, uh, you know, amazing, Thomas, I don't know how to say it, Thomas Mauk, Mauk, Mauk. 
I don't know how uh-huh. to say his name, but okay. he, yeah. he, he he was the DP for most of Herzog's classic films of this classic era. And um, you can also see him kind of just like, uh, there's a great little set piece when um, Klaus Kinski is talking to uh, a man who is imprisoned in like a sort of tree or like a, like a, like a tree made cage, I guess, like a, I don't know if you mm-hmm. kind of remember that scene and, and uh, yeah. the camera is just kind of like finding the, finding the frame through the bars and is really just mm-hmm. like, you can see this guy is just like just searching for that frame as the actors are moving. And it's this very loose, really, really, really cool like compositions. And that's just like the instincts of an amazing, you know, cameraman and yeah. you know, cinematographer in that, in that moment. Um, so it's cool. It has a mixture of both of those things, like a spontaneity, True. but also something that's more, you know, like, like how do we how are we gonna capture this epic shit you know with one camera so, um, mm. but if we can I just wanted to kind of get into a little bit of the backstory so we can then of course talk about the set pieces um, more in detail uh, so the origin of this story is pr- of this movie rather is very simple <laughs> okay so Herzog uh, once upon a time uh, went over to his friend's house okay and his friend. Uh, was always on the phone when he would uh, uh, appear at his house. And so he was bored and he decided to, uh, Herzog decided to look through his book collection and he just basically randomly thumbed through them and found one book, grabbed it, opened it to a random page. And by coincidence, there was a paragraph uh, about the adventures and discoveries uh, of a man named uh, Lope de Aguirre. And so um, he looked at it. You know, read it and was so fascinated that he rushed home and immediately wrote a screenplay about him in two and a half days. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Just total like uh, lightning out of the sky. Yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, random inspiration. Amazing. Totally crazy. So he's he's an obscure guy. You know, it's like uh, Aguirre was a real historical figure. You know, he did exist. And this is uh, like you're probably going to say, like, this is based on. A diary of like one of those uh, monks, well, right? No, oh. because oh, the monk. Okay, okay. Correct so, me. so, Help so, so the monk that's quoted in the very beginning. You see these opening title cards that show up that are subtitled, and it does say that you know the story you know you're about to see is based on these this text by this monk. Um, it's the only document to survive this lost expedition. You know, is his diary, uh, Gaspar de Caravalle or whatever his name is. But basically, the real story is <laughs> that the monk really was a real person in history, but uh, his diaries were about a completely different expedition. And Herzog oh. used his name for a, this made-up expedition. And oh, um, it was very funny that Herzog actually kind of would fuck with uh, historians quite a lot over this. Historians would would basically reach out to him and like, where did you find these diaries? You know, and then he would basically <laughs> oh, le- like lean into it and say, well, you know... And, and kind of create his own legend about these these texts wow. that didn't exist. Okay. So, so, so okay. yes, you know, um, Aguirre and that monk, they're real people. But, you know, most of the film, 95% of the film is all fabricated. I mean, maybe even more than that, you know, to the, to the point. Like they so, weren't on the same raft for starters is what you're not saying. Not even close. No. Like right off the bat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, But the story so, about El Dorado's, I mean, yeah. not well, that it's a real place, but that they, the... Uh, it's a mythic place. The, yeah. Right. The... the, the the people in Peru or whatever were told them that told the conquistadors that there was a magical golden city somewhere <laughs> just to fuck with them, to get and them they away. Bought it. So, yeah. so the Amazon yeah. would swallow them up. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. So, but this is a, a funny little anecdote. So basically, in these two and a half days that Herzog is writing the screenplay, um, get this. Most of the script was written on a bus ride with Herzog's soccer team. Okay. So wow. while he's on the bus sitting there typing away at his typewriter, all the players who had just played some game were celebrating by drinking and getting massively wasted. And so 200 miles into this trip, all of his soccer team player guys are, are wasted and um, he's typing away and the goalie seated behind him uh, leans over and vomits all over the typewriter and oh, pukes over all of it. Shit. And... <laughs> And Herzog had to take these scenes, throw them out of the window, and th oh, those scenes were lost yeah. to time. Wow. And so, so, oh, uh, but this is the circumstance <laughs> in which he's writing all of this. And so he wrote this script furiously on the bus <laughs> during football games. And um, yeah, and, no. and, and, and not, not much is even really known about the real man, you know, uh, Lupo de Aguirre. Like uh, he, there isn't even much evidence or documentation of his existence. There's practically only a few letters that still remain. So most mm -hmm. of what you're seeing, Herzog's putting it all into that so kind yeah, of yeah, fun yeah. weird set of circumstances yeah, that gotcha. get Warner, to this Werner movie. used this uh you know to tell the story he wanted to tell you know exactly exactly just um, let us imagine use the historical context but let your imagination roll right don't be restricted by um historical yeah. accuracy <laughs> no no of course and so mm -hmm. uh of course you know klaus kinski is a main part of this film and uh, he was a known actor at the time and uh, when he finished the script, so, so, you know, Herzog had known Klaus Kinski when they were very young. They were teenagers. Uh, they were in the same boarding house. And Kinski mm. would, would, uh, would uh, sleep there with him and wreak havoc on everyone. As Herzog has said, he would cause chaos and total disorder, you know, just was a very disobedient child <laughs> growing up. No. And uh, he left. It sounded like he was already an adult, maybe Kinski, right? Wasn't he already oh, an right. actor yeah. by then? I think so. Cause like, I, I think, think like, right. they talk yeah. about this in, um, in that great movie, my best fiend that, uh, Herzog did. That's sort of like the story of him and Kinski's relationship. So good. Uh, another movie, another great movie from 99, by the way, but oh, uh, I love, it. love my best. Uh, fiend, yeah. He talks about uh, he was like 13 years old in the boarding house. Like lady had a soft spot for like artsy types. And he was already kind of like an, an artist, I think, like an actor. He, he said he was previously living down the street, like in a in like an, an attic that was filled up to like knee high with leaves, like dry leaves. <laughs> and he would just sort of like <laughs> wait for the mailman to show up and then traipse around naked to the door, like knee high Holy and leaves. That's, this, is, this is what Kinski was doing before he moved in to the house where uh, uh where herzog lived as a 13 year old that's right and okay. he was telling just all these whack stories about uh kinski locking himself in the bathroom for 48 hours and just screaming you know screaming yeah, 48 screaming. hours straight until the police a lot came. Of screaming Sounds so this right. is the guy that he he knew all this about the guy ahead of you know, already and i think he'd already been in films right by that yes he was. this was the 50s and i think kinski yep. had been acting since like the late 40s right so like he'd already kind oh. of um yep. You know, I don't know if he'd seen those movies yet, but he had, uh, yeah. you know, so he had this weird relationship with him briefly when when Herzog was a kid, and then he, Herzog would watch his films and just thought he was such a great performer. Yeah, he was in just, tons you know. of films in the '60s, and you know, like yeah, he was yeah. in a he was in a ton of stuff, and um, uh, he had not thought of him while he was writing the script. But when he had finished it, he knew that he would cast Klaus Kinski. It was right around that time. And he, and he, well, and he, it, 
the character's a madman. I mean, yeah, you need one. Get a madman so, to play a madman. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So he sent him it, the script, and and Klaus Kinski loved it. I mean, he immediately loved it. He loved mm. the role, and he have, and then mm. of course uh, um, immersed himself in it, uh, as we'll see as the movie, you know, as he would uh, go into production, and as we'll get into, of course, with some of the onset antics that went on. But Herzog refers to him in the audio commentary track as a quote pestilence um, every day on set. So we will get into that a little bit. How but bad? How bad could it be? I mean, like. I, I I just I don't I'm not that well versed in the problems between those two guys. Like, how bad? It's I, I need yeah. like one anecdote if you have it. Uh, either I don't of you. think it's even like on the like, set. You know, just between them, I think he's just a monster in general. Like I said, he was like okay. screaming in the bathroom you know, to nobody. But I think that was normal for him. You know, I mean, on the and, set of Aguirre though, like uh, okay, well, it, what do you do? It, and my best fiend, it starts with him like on stage, like doing this production of Jesus where Kinski thinks he's he's doing a one man show where he's Jesus and he's getting into a combative like fight with the audience, like almost like Iggy Pop or something, you yeah. know, and he's like telling the audience to come up on stage and yelling at them. And like right. he's very confrontational and he's like storms right. off and leaves, you know, and he actually left that production to join this one. You know, um, there's recordings from like uh on set recordings of the fights like on Fitzcarraldo and stuff. And Kinsey's mm. just unleashing just vile insults, screaming at the top of his lungs at set at the set at the crew members, you know, it's almost like, uh, if you, if you weren't watching, you know, if you like, uh, stumbled in the room and it was on, you'd think it was that, like, uh, you know, that Hitler meme where the guys like the, <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. the 2000s movie where the Hitler's yeah. like screaming. That's what Last it sounds like on set. Bruno like, Gunn. sounds like Kins Downfall. Yeah, yeah, right. right. It sounds like downfall. It Love sounds downfall. like Jeez. that's what that's Kinsky just. Uh, 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 he wasn't much of a team members, player. So. Is that what well, you guys are saying? Let me let me give you the anecdote <laughs> you're searching for here. I, I have a I have a specific anecdote here. Basically, yeah. he, he he just took things too far. I think is what Herzog would say. He was okay. too. He would cross lines, cross boundaries. Like there's a mm -hmm. scene where you in the actual film where he like hits a guy in the head with his fucking sword and. If, if he wasn't wearing a helmet, he would have split the guy's fucking skull open, like things like that. But here's Got the main it. one. Here's kind of the here's kind of the one of the bigger ones. There's actually two big ones. I guess we can get into it real quick. So, you know, Klaus Kinski was a known actor. He had already been working. He was really the only person that sort of had any level of, I guess, like privilege, you could say, on set. Like he had um uh, you know, he had like, I guess the equivalent of his own trailer, um, <laughs> you know, right. on this film by having his own hut, you know, cause many of the people, um, many of the people, um, in the film, you know, like the extras was like 40 of them crammed into one hut. He had his own, right? So, and yeah. he, and most of the people had to drink the water out of the river and he got his spring water, you know, brought in from civilization and stuff. So he's on a different plane on this set. Okay. And so anyway, so one night the extras who routinely every night would get wasted, smashed, <sighs> drunk, and they were super noisy, super loud, and they drank every night, and Klaus Kinski was fucking pissed. And so he started yelling and raving and raving and yelling, and then he got his Winchester rifle out. Okay. And he just fucking fired three bullets into one of the huts that had 45 people inside. Like indiscriminately. And indiscriminately. Like just, and just like, I could bam, be hitting bam, bam. someone right now. And the fact, and Herzog says on the commentary, the fact that he didn't kill any of them is a miracle, Dude. but he did shoot the tip off of one of their fingers. Oh. <laughs> 
Shit. And so, so not a team player. Not, I, see, so then, I, see, I see what we got here. Okay. So, so then so then Herzog immediately confiscates the rifle and um, that's when he drops the quote. He he would go too too far quite often on set. But of course Herzog still has that rifle and cherishes it to this day. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, and Kinsky would say he would you'll be yelling at Herzog, you're you're a megalomaniac. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Herzog. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. Right. Yeah. It's so it's on the level of like bad behavior of like, you know, creative people on set, bad behavior. It seems like it's the top, top tier. Like I can't, you know, there's like Christian uh, Bale yelling at somebody, yeah. you know, that, was that or like there's like director. No, no. David O. Russell. David O. Russell yelling at David Lee Tomlin. You're a cunt. Right. right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's insane. Um, but yeah. And then of course the infamous story, just while we're here, we can get into it. Yeah. The, inf- the infamous uh-huh. story that's kind of grown into a legend is that there was a moment on set where Klaus Kinski was just going to leave. He was going to walk off set. He was going to leave mm. the film. Obviously, the conditions were really harsh and I'm sure insane uh, as they're making this film. And so basically, Herzog said, hey, you know, uh, if you leave, I'm going to fucking shoot you and I'm going to kill you <laughs> if, if he did that <laughs> wow. to them. I believe uh, it. I, believe, I, I would believe him. Of course. Of course. And uh, Klaus Kinski later reported in the newspapers, he, he would tell the story during interviews and said that he had a gun out and pointed at him, which Herzog says he didn't. But he said he says on the commentary about this, Herzog says, quote, I would have shot him. There was no doubt. And the bastard understood somehow it was not a joke. Somehow. I, right. I, somehow I outgutted him. I was more determined than he was. Uh, and then he says after that, he behaved for like 10 days <laughs> nice because herzog met his match or, or met herzog and excuse me kinski and then yeah exceeded it and yeah because you got to do i guess you got it that's like a training human behavior kind of thing it's like mm-hmm. i see your insanity i see your you know indiscriminately shooting at people mm-hmm. like here we go here's the next step you know like i'm gonna straight up Right. Drop I'm gonna you kill where you. you stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard it was at the, at the end, like the last two days. You know, they only had two days of shooting left, and that's when he was threatening to leave. You know, and in that circumstance, it, it does seem kind of reasonable, actually, of all the shit that everyone went through. People are losing fingers and stuff. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, if we got to finish this, <laughs> and they probably didn't. Well, you know, Herzog was untested. I mean, he had some small art house films before this. I could see a lot of people, including Kinski, thinking, um, "Is this even going to be finished, edited, come out?" Like, what is this? Like, you know, like a lot of the films that we love and some of them that we cover, uh, you know, like, oh, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. A lot of people were like, this isn't even going to play a movie theater. Star like, Wars. Why are we? <laughs> kind <laughs> of. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? So, so I think yeah. like having no faith in yeah. this film, like even reaching the finish line in any yeah. way, much less what happened to uh, this yeah. film, Gary. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think uh, having no faith. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of like Star Wars. It's funny, but but um, he, okay. he, uh, yeah, but you know, you're 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 right in that. Like he he found a way to harness Klaus Kinski's energy and how to manipulate him and to how to direct right. him ultimately in this film. Right. I mean, you talk about the screaming Marcus, like how he would scream for days and and um, you know, it locked in the bathroom in his youth, and he knew that about him, and he would use that to effect. Right. Uh, case in point. There's one of the big set pieces in the film when they burn that village, and you know there's that scene where the woman, not um, not not Amagiri's daughter, but the other woman who wears all the dresses, and she like disappears mm. and walks off into the jungle, never to be seen again, which is a great little poetic set piece there. Love that. Uh, but that's but that's what kind of preempts Klaus Kinski's big monologue, where you know he's looking into the camera directly uh-huh. and he says that you know I am uh, you know the wrath of God or whatever he says. 
Klaus Kinski wanted to play that scene completely differently. He wanted to play huge, yelling, screaming, frothing at the mouth, Ooh. slipping into madness. And Herzog knew that that would be wrong. And um, so what he did is he made Klaus Kinski just basically scream and yell to himself uh, for about two hours. And uh, until he had completely exhausted and tired him. Right. Uh, so then he would be in that right, silent more dangerous mood for that scene. Well, he'd be so. uh, he'd be spent, all tuckered out. That sounds like child behavior, uh, Marcus. Help me out here. <laughs> sure. like, I'm not kidding. Like like to let a kid just like, all right, have your tantrum, cycle through it, and you're gonna want to take a nap in about ten minutes. So right. go yeah, ahead, I'm go just, ahead. Don't take it all. Don't take the thing, the horrible things he's yelling at you too personally. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, but what I mean is like like just go and like instead of trying to stop the volcano it's just like erupt go and then you're you know what you're going to be sleepy soon so the yeah fucking, yeah that you know. <laughs> is a it is weird to have that challenge that other challenge of having a really strong personality actor is like not only is he a prima donna and really mean and explosive but he also has all these opinions that he's sharing with you constantly about how you how you're supposed to be doing the movie right so he like um he mentioned that at the beginning of like the very first shot the amazing first shot of this movie when they're coming down the Incredible. mountain there uh, that Kinski wanted it to be shot like Hollywood style with the, you could see Machu Picchu, see the peak, you know, and see everything, oh. see that landscape, um, you know, like in a very picturesque postcard like style. John Ford kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, right, right. Framing. Yeah, exactly. But then Herzog had a very clear, not, it also speaks to Herzog's just, um, you know, sort of sophistication as a young filmmaker. He had a very clear idea. They did not want to do that. He had yeah. a very clear idea of how he wanted to shoot the yeah. landscape. But they had to have a big fight over that. Um, and Kinski basically, uh, Herzog basically just took Kinski out of the shot and said, oh, you know what? You're not no. in the shot. You go sit that's over the there. Solution. Or you go yes. somewhere else and sit then it shot it without him. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Herzog didn't have juice. You know, I don't know if Kinski would have cared uh, you know, there's one thing I want to say about this whole Kinski thing in general is I, I have a vague understanding. Right now, I know more because of you guys telling me than I did before. I don't really know Kinski because I've always thought, like, is he worth it? Just on a fundamental level, like, is he really that great an actor I know. for everyone, including Herzog, to <laughs> tolerate this behavior? Or more is it like, hey, guess what? This is the last movie we're ever going to do together. Yeah, you know, know, like, know. like it just be like done with it. You know, like yeah, instead, yeah. like, got to get like... No, he did five, five fucking movies with this guy. Oh, exactly, yeah. you know? I mean, <laughs> like, it feels like, well, I mean, Herzog uh, is kind of into sort of like art macho challenges. So I think that's part of it. You know, like uh, like almost yeah. dying on the set is like also having an, your lead actor be so, it's, it's, you know, volcanic. You know, it's, I get it's that, one but of, is he worth it? Like, it's hmm. one of the strangest director-actor collabor collaborations Ever, dysfunctional, collab, dysfunctional. Yeah. it's very dysfunctional collab yeah um mm -hmm. i wonder if like the power of his acting you know sometimes is lost just in the dubbing you know or whatever you know like this film was like shot with him everyone is delivering english i guess lines what and they really went back yeah yeah there's actually some so. clips of it in um there's a great doc from 86 oh. with herzog like doing a personal a portrait of himself and it has some clips of the, the english language version of the film it's very oh, weird oh my god um, if I, Aguirre, want the birds to drop dead from the trees, then the birds will drop dead from the trees. I'm the wrath of God. But so then they went back and dubbed it in German. But yeah. so you're getting that sort of oh. disconnect between the lips yeah. moving and the sink right. and stuff. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, so you know there's a great performance happening, but like there's just something yeah. not being a 
a native German speaker that might be lost yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, he does have an incredible look, Kinski. You he know? does. Oh, yeah. That's a face uh, of the ages. That's, <laughs> the probably what it, that's, probably, that's probably why he went with him for so long was the face. I, I think so. It's, almost, it's like silent eyes, movie. Enormous mouth. Silent movie like, kind of face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the huge we, features you know, compared to everybody else. And right, then he's got that sort of like, you know, I don't know if it's, a, if it's hunchback. I don't know how to say it exactly. Well, he's got that sort of like, is he a hunch? I'm not sure. He's got like a certain sort of shoulder thing. I think it's just something. a pose, like a Richard the Third. They worked on that. They worked on that. They worked on that a lot. They worked on yeah, that I signature bet. hunchback for the performance. He always told Kinski to move like a crab or a spider. You know, he wanted <laughs> to find that way, and and and, and he want and and that really freaked people out. That freaked a lot of the people out on set. <laughs> that thing. But I do have to kind of come in here because I'm looking at 24 minutes on the clock, well, and well, I want to get yeah, into set pieces. Mm. I w well, I was going to say, you know, we, uh, there's something I absolutely want to make sure that we get into. So let's do that. As far as set pieces, we keep referring to the opening scene. Yeah, let's do but it. But just, just to open this up, you know, you guys take it. It's just half of this movie for me is the soundtrack, is the music mm -hmm. by uh, Popova. Mm -hmm. It makes me want to cry. It's like so powerful. I just listen to it, you know, me like too. on my headphones, you know, me too. like a lot. So um, it's Corral, yeah. uh, it. it, it it's just one of those things. I mean, the other stuff's great too. Heart of Glass is really killer too. That's what they did with Herzog. Killer. But just does anybody have an insight on this band? Yeah. How he started well, it's working a man. with Herzog? It's one guy. I mean, okay. it's Flor. Okay. It's it's Florian Frick. Florian Frech. I don't know how to say these German. Okay, names. I've heard that name. Yeah. But uh, he is the man who plays most of the instruments, and his you know, it's kind of like a, one of those like one man black metal bands, you know, uh, where he does he does everything. Um, but of course, he he'll bring in other instrumentation and other musicians to work with him. But Popelva okay. is the name of the of the band, okay. quote unquote. Uh, it's some sort of the name is some sort of weirdly some like Mayan creation story too. So right. It's got a weird sort of like sideways connection to the yeah and that's, that's happenstance true. right that's yeah. right yeah that's true uh but herzog and florian knew each other uh from playing soccer a lot of soccer uh, history in this uh together and they liked each other a lot right from the get-go they had a very 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 close working relationship because obviously i know it's amazing because uh it's always and, and soccer it is yeah it is uh <laughs> but of course you know florian and him worked together on so many films you said fitzcarraldo and nosferatu you know, Heart of Glass. They did all those together. And so, um, you know, Herzog Amazing. Amazing. thinks of Popova Florian as, you know, one of the most important aspects to his movies. And it really is in this mm -hmm. movie. And I think I heard something, I don't know the technical thing behind it, maybe you do, Marcus, but that there was sort of this choral synthesizer, this idea of like this choral voice synthesizer yeah. that was sort of It's a Mellotron. Yeah, yeah okay. it's, it's a Mellotron like, oh. the, like the Beatles had or whatever, or, you know. Okay. Um, and but, just to help so folks, the choral setting of like, you yeah, know, it, uh, it's like it's a bunch of tape loops, you know, that are mm -hmm. um, pre-recorded sounds of a chorus is going like, ah, but then, you know, every key it's connected to another tape loop or to raise the pitch. Yeah. It's like, ah, so like the, the A key is a recording yeah. loop of a woman singing like, in right, a, right. It's so like a set. Temper. You could switch out the tapes and stuff and then. um yeah, make yeah. chords out of the choral voices yeah. and stuff. Do all this interesting well, he does stuff. He a great so, job with it. But it's based in like reality. It's based in a real voice, but then it has this like total like technological bent to it. So it's this otherworldly 
kind of sound. It's like you know? uh, like you're saying the Beatles. It's the very beginning of Strawberry Fields Forever is uh, is a mellotron of the flute. Right, so it sounds right. like a flute because you're hearing a flute, but it's playing like a weird piano, yeah. and it's like the way someone plays notes on a flute. So it's, it's right. A great or you hear it like in Heart of the Sunrise to that Yes song, right? That's oh yeah, fun, right? That kind you, of like, yeah. Or like definitely. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that. But uh, yeah, it's weird. So it's got that that futuristic sound, or at least like hyper modern, like yeah. kind of contrast with this period film, right? In this amazing way, and they create something totally new. I mean, I can't think Incredible. of an, an earlier film that has. You could think of a thousand films afterwards that had this kind of soundtrack, but I can't really think of an earlier one. I that think had a this, little like, ethereal synthesizer of Pink Floyd uh, with the Barbet Schroeder films in a bit. You know, yeah, like that's War true. And the Valley. I mean, they're doing true. different things, and they're a full all those band. Kraut rock bands too wanted to yeah. be Pink Floyd too. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 totally. But the thing is, but the but the the Popovu soundtrack is just so it's not a band like a rock band. There's no drums that kick in. It's very a powerful music and you're right it's it's like in between everything it's not like they got an orchestra to do like choral music like you know from the 1600s or something like that gregorian chants but it's also not like it doesn't sound dated like 1971 like big drums come in or anything like that yeah so it and, and it does it does also sound like it's from the future <laughs> too in a strange it does. way yeah. yeah. So it dislocates Beautiful. you so much. Uh, Beautiful. It's like almost futuristic ancient and, and, music happening. Right. With 16 millimeter footage from the 1500s. It's and it's sort it's of introspective sounding too. It sounds like you know it just creates thoughts in your brain. You know, there's just yeah. an empty vista of someone looking out at a river. It is. And you have this introspective it is soundtrack. Like, you could you yeah. could watch people sitting at a bus on their phones for 15 minutes yeah, or I yeah. could and put yeah. on that song <laughs> the music of a yeah, yeah. and I'd be yeah. like crying you know yeah, yeah. it's almost it's, yeah, it's sort of weirdly participatory it like invites the audience to participate in like in you know use their brain to yeah. engage their brain into adding meaning that may not be there you know or bringing and it's, yeah. weird. it's weird Philip Glass can have that effect too it's like it's very like this celestial you know uh, it's just, yeah it's incredible I mean if you guys need mm. to write an essay or a paper Put that on, and uh, you'll, you'll get your <laughs> yeah, shit done. Just listen to it. Listen to yeah. that and Heart of Glass. I would recommend that, yeah. that score yeah. too. All right, just we got to get to enjoy. I'm staring at 18 minutes and 48 seconds, and gonna have a heart attack. Okay, so um, <laughs> real quick, just before we get into the opening of the movie, I just this is an interesting anecdote. Again, it's very Herzogian in terms of how they almost all died. Uh, but basically, before shooting started, when they were on their way to Machu Picchu uh, to film this movie. Uh, uh, Werner and the crew uh, almost got into a fatal uh, plane accident just before Whoa. they shot the sequence of that descending mountain in the very beginning they were booked on a plane they were booked on a plane that uh, was that actually crashed into the jungle and killed 94 people they were taken Fuck. off the passenger list right before the plane took off um, so it's Whoa. so insane and that only one 17-year-old girl survived that, miraculously survived oh, that crash. Oh, you're talking about that? Yes. Oh. Dude, that girl. There's a whole movie called Miracles Still Happen that dramatizes that story. Well, I love get that this. story. Yeah, and, and he, All right. Yeah, and, and Herzog visited her, and they both went back to the location of her crash. You're talking about that crash that is crash. related indirectly to Aguirre. Incredible. Okay. Yeah, so... True. so reading well, on that just for the yeah for the viewers at home it was one 17 year old girl survived the crash 
And Herzog later made that into uh, a film called Wings of Hope. So check that out. Um, Where she revisits. They revisit the site together. Yeah. yeah, So that is amazing. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the opening, it's amazing. Here's our first set piece. We're going to get through a bunch of these. But yeah, shot. So near Machu Picchu, it was incredibly dangerous as you're seeing like over 400 extras and everybody go down this very narrow, slippery path. Um, And it's just amazing. horses and armor. And and like llamas and you know alpacas Carrying wheels, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And cannons, and it's 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 incredible. Um, and it's like you know natives from a like most of the like the people that play the slaves in the film were you know these natives that lived in a village that was like fourteen thousand feet altitude. So just a crazy wrangling of all these different people from different walks of life and everything. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the other cool thing about it is the fog is a happy mm-hmm. accident. Uh, that occurred uh, oh. when everybody got there. This is the first thing we're going to shoot, and the conditions were so fucking chaotic, rainy, and insane. People thought this was never going to happen. And Herzog was telling people, "Please don't quit. Don't walk away. Don't give up on this. We have to. We have to just wait and wait and wait for the fog." And the fog parted perfectly, just so the fog was rolling hmm. down the sides of the mountain, allowing them wow. to pass through, and just so they could see everything wow. clearly. It's amazing, and it, it really. Yeah. And he was really convincing people after that moment, like, you guys are going to be part of something that, like, no other film is going to achieve or, or see or photograph. And, and he's and right. he was right. Yeah, yeah. he's totally right. Um, so they, uh, so yeah, so like I said earlier, most of those shots are filmed in one take. You know, you're basically seeing all of that, like the, the shot of the cannon, you know, falling down the hill and exploding. Amazing. Um, love that little detail that goes so well with the music, too. There's like the shots of the rapids that are like in soft focus that he holds on. Super tripped out. You know, that is yeah. incredible. Love with that. The, with the rocks, the rapids and the, and the rocks jutting through. It is, yeah. It's like a shot of just the close-up of just the rapids moving, like just the water yeah, moving, and that. it's soft focus. It's incredible. It looks so yeah. dangerous. It looks incredibly dangerous. It looks so... It is. I mean, he goes back there in My Best Fiend, and it, it, the river's dried up in the, in the dry season, and he's walking across these boulders that are like 20 feet tall, you know, and, that, and that's what's underneath the water that you see in that scene. Yeah. I just think everything is super slippery, you know. Yeah. Every well, step it, is like... You're putting your life in your hand. Anytime you the, see someone, anytime you see someone struggling or like trying to move in the swamp or get around trees, all that's real. That's the real struggle they're going through in order to right, you know right. do this. It's not like premeditated, you know, Texas Chainsaw style. Yeah, exactly. I, I love all the all those props that you said they're carrying down the wheel and the costumes. This is impractical velvet dresses that the women are wearing and stuff. Yeah, I love how that all fits. You know, just paints the theme of what we're going about to see. Just the folly of what they're all undertaking. You know that, like, right. yeah. that these women are going to walk through the jungle in these like you know velvet dresses or get carried in there like, uh, you know, hand, whatever those carriages are that people carry on their they're backs. Called sedans, sedans, yeah. right? Yeah. And the um, you know, yeah. carrying the wheels like the, the wheels that the cannon go on. Like the, they're right. going well, okay, to be. Okay, what we're saying is like it relates to um, all the goofy European uh, functionality that they try to apply amongst like God's 
you know, like like human lawless earth, you know, where they're like, well, let's have a trial. It's also it's absurd trials and signatures and like this paper deems that I own everything in front of us, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. they just look inherently ridiculous mm-hmm. because Mother Nature here is going to win every time. And you see yeah, what it does, you know. And yes, you know, we were talking about earlier. I think of the goddamn sub that crashed near the Titanic recently and just the folly of of humans. You know what I mean? Because Mother Nature even with the greatest technological advancements of humans will always trump uh, humans, especially water related stuff. We haven't yeah. conquered water. Not as a species at, all. at all. No, <laughs> so no, anyway. you're right. You're right. All right. Carrying on. Cause I'm dying. Uh, so basically, go, go, yeah, go. so, so the rafts you see in the film are created by the natives. Um, it's an, it's insane. You're seeing, you know, uh, the crew and the, uh, the, the cast of this film basically on these rafts as the majority of the film, of course, happens on the river, which is just, insanely dangerous you know you would never see a movie like that made under these conditions of course while the cast and crew is sleeping on huts that are built on top of these rafts that are aimlessly floating down the river it's insane you can actually see some of the huts that they lived in while during the making the film a couple frames in the background you can catch them if you look close Mm -hmm. uh so pretty pretty crazy um so anyway the plot of the movie of course is that this you know large encampment is going to split up into two groups one is going to go check and see if there is this, you know, El Dorado, Golden City somewhere, and if they're going to venture out. Uh, of course, this is led by that one dude, can't remember his name right now, and uh, Klaus Kinski. And if they if they're going to go venture out for a week, if they don't find anything, they're going to be doomed as lo- or they're going to be deemed as lost, and then they're going to head back. Um, and of course, there's this omnipresent threat in the entire film of of the natives who are fighting back and they're Mm -hmm. setting traps for them and uh, love this little detail about how you really don't ever see them or hear them or anything in the film. And Herzog really talks about how silence in this film, the role silence plays in the movie. When you hear nothing and you hear silence, that's when things are at its most heightened, dangerous point. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes our characters say that like it's getting particularly quiet. That's like, death right guys yeah and what i love is that unlike guns and being shot to death it's like those arrows are so quiet that you could be standing there and then you turn to your friend you were just talking to and he's like oh boy you know like that and you never heard the arrow but they're like goners and that's so chilling to me it's just like these silent little little flits happening in the and air I, and you're a goner. Yeah, and I, I, I love that set piece where one of the Spanish conquistadors is like being hoisted up by the rope by his feet, like that trap. He goes so high up and yeah. he gets hoisted so high up into the air. Yeah. yeah. And it's the amazing. blood dripping down in the leaf. You know, it's like yeah. it's very predator, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I was it thinking is. of yeah. predator in this Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. So um let's see, I'm looking through here. Uh oh other really crazy moment is right when you start to realize that they're cannibals right which is a crazy moment Dude. that you a realization in this movie and you see a quick shot of a mummy i don't know if you guys remember this mm-hmm. there's like sure. a mummy like tied to something in there you see it yeah well yeah. again be- making of anecdote here from the commentary herzog said that was a real mummy that Werner oh. Herzog's brother had brought to set in Peru, but he couldn't ship it or check it as luggage, so he bought an extra plane ticket for it and sat next to it on no, the plane. No way. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. First class yeah. for the mummy. Yeah. That's incredible. I love wow. that. So real mummy. Well, yeah, it yeah. gets kind of Mondo movie for a second there in it the does. cannibal uh, village. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gets pretty uh, like fucking 
like hard prog rock kind of imagery like skulls and fire and uh, meat and bananas and yeah yeah and fire it's cool yeah it's it's really cool and and i i think just like you know obviously a big part of this movie is the slow descent into the madness that these characters inhabit because as we said before the movie sort of starts with this doc realism that we're rooted in and then it starts to unfold slightly with some heightened fever dreamish poetic imagery which is mm-hmm. really great in the way that it's uh that it's utilized in this film one of the one of the uh more ominous poetic moments that kind of i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this but there's a moment where Anytime the horses are on the rafts, it's like really insane <laughs> to me. You yes, know that these I agree. Yeah. Yeah. like yeah, it's like <laughs> what is happening? But th- there's a moment when like the horse is acting up, and so they kicked they they kick the horse off the raft. Like you're out of here, buddy. And uh, the horse like swims to land. Um, yep. And then the camera then holds on this amazing shot of the horse just like yeah. staring back at them, well, like as and he the has raft the, the hood. Goes, <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's yeah. so he's like he's he should well he's he's an incongruous thing mm-hmm. in that place, you know, like a giraffe in the middle of the desert or something. But also he has this hood, and he's just like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? What's going <laughs> yeah. on? Like, I'm a horse. taking my hood off at least. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, no, maybe just as we're round robin here, really quickly, like. Um, uh, the, the film it's funny because there's a slow crawling descent of madness and then also danger for those guys but what i love is that the film the the, the descent picks up pace and becomes this quick succession of the most surreal parts of the film and i think right then in the last 10 15 minutes of the film that's his best filmmaking ever whatever that's yeah. worth and yeah. uh, if you guys just yeah. want to just tackle that real quick and go through uh, just my bullet points are it's the time of like it's all they have to face is hunger and death and there's the beautiful butterfly shot. There's, there's the, the baby, baby rats. Yeah, the baby rats were just like something that just was happened in there. Like the rabbits, Dude. or sorry, the the rats were just suddenly right. crawling around on this raft, which is insane. And so they just turned around and filmed it, you know. And there was nothing planned, that's, nothing there. That's it was just so, there. It feels like that. Yeah, it and like that's like so that. Herzog. Hollywood. My favorite spend- line from this part of the film is uh, "Meat is floating by." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. The, that's the translation yeah. of of the local native to what he's overhearing from uh, when yeah. they pass by natives. Yeah, Meat is floating by chilling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and anyway. it's 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 this like also like like leading into that ending moment, which we'll get into in one second, is like okay. the, the sort of fever dream detachedness and stillness of the performances are really great in this too. Like you really see a lot of these long, just still sequences of the of the detachedness of these actors. Like there's that scene where they hang uh, the guy, you know, the, the guy who's in charge. Yeah, they that. like, they hang mm-hmm. him. Who also, by the way, Tom, is one of the most famous, uh, you know, uh, Cinema Novo directors from Brazil. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll look I can't remember up. his name yeah. right now, but yeah. Anyway, Maybe so Roca? when they when they no, it's not him, but I can't remember his name. His name is Guy or Gee or whatever. So when they hang him, there's that amazing detached moment where just the other guy's like eating the ear of corn like silently <laughs> while he's being with det- the legs in next to him uh, yeah. swaying. Amazing the hung shot. man. Yeah. Oh, like just, dude, totally. Everything's getting um, super numb, and then of course it's then when they start going down the raft or they're going down the river. And their imagination is running wild. They're, they are seeing things. They're seeing mirages. There's an amazing, amazing image of a boat on top of yeah. this, you know, 100-foot tree yeah. or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. it is. And they're debating the mirage. You yeah. know, it's, it's so beautiful because it's like we, 
the 16 millimeter camera reality is seeing it. There is yeah. a boat in the top of this uh, uh, tree. How could that possibly happen? Yeah. And they're saying, like, I'm seeing a mirage. You know, the the the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the slave henchmen people. But, of course, Kinski's like, no, nah, there's a boat, and it's right up there. Let's go get it. You know, yeah. like, and I don't know I don't know who to believe, my eyes yeah. or Kinski or... Yeah, supposedly in the original script, there was, like, a, a reference to, like, a conquistador who had gone down the river first when the boat and disappeared, you know, and the, that that was supposed to be like His originally boat. it was an idea to like leave it as like a that was going to be like a reference to that story that you heard earlier but then they decided to take all those references out of cool. the movie and like and like edit the script basically so that it had that you know that that thing that tom's saying like you like it yeah plays as an ambiguity yeah. yeah yeah and it's um, it's the, yeah it's it, really like them losing all their sense of reality that's that little moment with the boat on top of the tree is followed up very quickly with just that other dude who's numbly hit with an arrow in his leg and he's just no selling as we say in the wrestling business the the arrow through the leg <laughs> nice and it's, it's well, what amazing. does he say what's the great this quote not an arrow this is what not is, an arrow it's almost getting yeah. like deadpan python or something money it is getting humorous and, and like it is yeah no it, it is. is there's comedy right. in this film there's well, comedy there's one line the guy says like famous. those the arrows coming back these longer arrows are coming back in style or something yeah that's like <laughs> yeah exactly joke the, and that and that feels yeah. like whoa yeah. it's the 20th yeah. century it's 1972 yeah. you know like it's a it's yeah. like uh it's it is like an absurdism and it adds to i mean that's what they're trying to do is in part that there's um there's dark things happening, yeah. and uh, these people are hallucinating. But just that line is, uh, there is no arrow. That it's really amazing. kills me. And it is, and it just, but it, it stays quiet. They're all like quietly dying. Yeah. What's that? It's, a, it's, it's yeah, like John it Luke like Godard. Godard. Yeah, it is like a Godard mm-hmm. thing or Perfect. something. But it's, it's like suddenly, it's, uh, yeah. Weekend is, is suddenly in the film. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. Good totally. call. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. And then, of course, you know, we get to that, just have to mention it real quick, beautiful, iconic scene. It's, it's the poster, the, I think it was a poster of the DVD, when um, Aguirre's daughter is shot with the arrow and you don't yeah, see the great. impact. There's no reaction. Nope. She just collapses nope. in his arms beautifully. It's this very stylized, tender moment. And it's just, it's beautiful and iconic. It's amazing. I lo- yeah. love that. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And there's something great about that. And then, of course, then, of course, the big set piece of the 400 monkeys that were purchased for this movie <laughs> um, unleashed yeah. on this boat. And um, it's an incredible scene. Brilliant. And it's Brilliant. amazing. And you can see, you know, Herzog's driving the boat that's circling the raft um, at a low speed, just low enough so it's not uh, creating too many and waves. Let's get the Popple V music back. Yeah, right. right yeah. That's yeah. reprised. It's an insane, it's one of the most I insane shots it. in cinema. And um, you, it, it's interesting to hear Herzog talk about it. It's just like, um, you know, you, you can't choreograph these scenes, you just have to follow the monkeys. You know, and um, <laughs> there's that amazing shot too, where fucking uh, Kinski holds that monkey, which was just mm-hmm. improvised, and like, like looking at like, him, it's like you and me, guy, we're gonna get to El, El Dorado. Yeah. And the monkey's like, yeah, like, like yeah. it just, it, 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 that is the definition of egomaniacal madness, like it personified in or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, represented in that that shot of him like you're my new you know like right hand man here you know and it's a mm-hmm. fucking little spider monkey well, that's what you yeah. in your answer that's the answer to your question earlier like was it worth it to have a guy like kinski around in that moment it is yeah you have a guy that will just reach down yes. and pick up a monkey and start talking yes. to it and then toss yeah. it to the ground <laughs> yeah. indiscriminately you know yeah. amen yeah, totally totally and so <laughs> right again this image of circling the raft 
the dead bodies, Aguirre, Aguirre stumbling, so and you know, as Herzog says, the monkeys have taken over, and mm -hmm. um, and he says in the commentary, he ends it by saying, I have no like watching this final shot, this incredible shot. Mm -hmm. He's like. I have no idea how this fell into my lap. And it's like seeing him react to this in the way yeah. that, like as we talked about at the top of the hour of like opening this book randomly at his friend's house, you know, yeah, writing this right. script, all the things mm. that led to almost dying in this plane crash. And you've mm. got this shot in the middle of the Amazon with a bunch of fucking monkeys, Klaus Kinski. And, and the know, craziest actor on earth. What? Yeah, how? On a raft. You know, like that's insane! Like how you get yeah. to that point in life, you know? Yeah, it's a yeah. real it's moment. Worth where the every art, the art muses singing through you, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And again, absolutely. all to the tune of that incredible music, you know? Yeah. Oh my God! It's it's such an amazing movie. So many. Go ahead. You have something to say? Oh, just that 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 construction of that I, that that shot of all the monkeys and he's he's like king of the monkeys now everyone else is gone and he's mm -hmm. ordering them around he's got plans still you know it's it's almost like a political cartoon or something come to life for like a like a, a court gesture or something like giving right. a broader meaning like a parody that's giving a broader meaning to like what's going on it's just it's incredible that someone can take yeah, it's symbolic something yeah. that could have been like a sketch like that and bring it to life and have it work you know yeah. and have it have it feel profound and have it be such a memorable moment. You know, it just um, takes a lot of skill, I think. Phew, yeah, so and just like, an yeah, absolutely. Getting out there into the field with not much money, not many crew, not many resources, you know, catching no. the fish as your lunch for the day. Like, you know, it takes a lot to be able to make a movie like that, and they certainly don't do yeah. that enough anymore. So it's yeah. a one-of-a-kind thing, that's for sure. Aguirre, Wrath of God, man. Yeah. Incredible. Very special film. All right. Boom. 1972 in the can. Woo! Man, I'm staring at I'm staring at 800 notes here, but I think we I think we got most of it in, but man, likewise. I think so. Uh, absolutely. That was one fucking hour on a Gary Wrath of God. I mean, literally one of my favorite movies of all time. Sure. You know, just in terms of what what an incredible achievement it is. It's it's yeah. amazing. It's a, it's a mind for like blower. input output, you know, it's like the, the budget going in and for like the, the level of I know. like film, I know. the epic coming out, you know, it's I know. pretty amazing. And I'm going to say this again. <laughs> Aguirre exists. And that's why we hate like Psycho 1998 so much. <laughs> like like yeah. because it's if, if, if there wasn't an Aguirre and a few other movies like it, then I'd be like, all right, Psycho 1998, you know, whatever. But it's like, <laughs> just don't do that. Stop, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or yeah. Requiem for a Dream, you know? like. Well, uh, you know, there are, yeah. I mean, no, you're right. I mean, there are a couple scenes, though, in Aguirre that are, you know, I don't know, they're... they're kind of slow. Kind of oh! slow. Yeah. <laughs> He's right. I know, it's true. No, no, I was looking no, at my watch a lot. No, so no, no. Fair enough. All right. Okay, okay everybody. So that was that 72. Was that was one fucking hour on Aguirre, Wrath of God from 1972. It's time, guys, to talk about 1973. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> this will be... Uh, the year of Watergate and... Uh, yeah. Houses of the Holy. Yeah. Houses of the Holy, that's right. It was the yeah. first year of hip-hop. This is hip-hop's oh. 50th anniversary right now. So this was oh, 50 years ago, 1973. Yeah, yeah. How about them apples? So uh, another, you know, mambo jumbo year. It's also the year of Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath as well, too. So hey. there's there that, maybe. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, uh, of course, I'm sure you've been following along with us. 
uh, on this journey in terms of what we're doing here. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we're putting out a poll. We're poll crazy here. And uh, as you're listening to this, ep- <laughs> as you're listening to this uh, episode right now, you can go to the one fucking hour Instagram at one fucking hour. Click on the stories and vote for our next episode, which is going to be a film from 1973. And we've narrowed it down to four possible films that you will pick one that we will cover for the next episode. And it was tough to narrow these down because Very. there's some heavy bangers in 1973. Shit's getting pretty real. And um, we just, again, like I think you guys out there are more into not the most obvious biggest blockbuster films of those years. Uh, but I guess just what's, you know, more interesting on the flip side of these. So we're going to get into something. And there are some monsters in here for sure. But, you yeah. know, it's not. But we omitted films like The Exorcist and films that have been talked about quite a bit yeah. uh, in favor the of sting. these. Films. We were really tempted to do <laughs> The Sting. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. So (laughs) let's talk over the four options for the poll. Here it is, one by one. We'll tell you a little bit about what to expect. So pick one of these four films. Here we go for 1973. First choice. This is a banger. Here we go. We got Terrence Malick's first flick, Badlands. Forget it. I don't know. Anybody? (laughs) It's probably going to win. Jump ball? Uh, It's really good. Oh, yeah. you know what? You know, I'll, I'll put it this way. Yeah. I throw on TCM a lot. It's on TCM a lot, Badlands is. It's always starting. Like, he's always the garbage man about to get fired, the very beginning of the film <laughs> Badlands. And I yep. go, oh, snap. All right, Badlands. And then guess what? An hour and a half later, I'm like, oh, I just watched Badlands again. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I can't not watch it if, it's, if I turn the channel and it's on. Yeah. It's just Badlands, it's a, really. Yeah, man. It's, it's, a killer, it's a killer flick. It's amazing. My favorite um, kind of Bonnie and Clyde story. You know what I mean? Like that's totally the best film of that. Besides genre. natural born killers. Yeah. I knew you were going to fucking of say course. that. All right. Um, okay. So option one is one fucking hour on badlands. Um, mm-hmm. Option number two is another heavy hitter. We have one fucking hour on don't look now by Dude. Nicholas rogue. I mean, Dude. just, you know, it's a monster. It's an, it's a, it's an editing monster. It's 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 yes. incredible. Uh, there's probably a lot to get into there in terms of, you know, the the stylistic flourishes of the film, the script, the. Well, it's like Nick Rogue does horror, yeah, you know, in his Nick Rogue way, you know. And yeah. the opening is I'm going to get hyperbolic. The opening is spellbinding, you know. It's it like is. another Aguirre like, yeah. uh, you know, opening scene where I'm just like uh, I'm in awe of it. It's and in a very different way. But that opening part of Don't Look Down. Even if the rest of the film is whatever, it's not. It's just like, oh my god, you know? It's yeah. Like, uh, the yeah, slide and the kid and the I drowning. Know. It's Shit. insane. So don't look and now. Be third rogue too, right? So it would be the third rogue. Oh, we did. Right. We, we did like walk about. Here. We did walk about in bad timing, and this would round it out with uh, don't look now. So that's option number two. Option number three is a deeper cut flick but about a very, I guess now we can say topical subject matter um, and also a subject matter most of you are familiar with, but this is a really special film documenting that. It is a documentary, and we're talking about Manson from 1973, which is really the first documentary about the Manson family and the Manson family murders. 
And yeah. uh, Tom, why, why is this prescient? Uh, for oh, as a pres- uh, well, uh, I'm just hearing uh, <laughs> that uh, amazingly, one of the Manson quote unquote girls, Leslie uh, uh, um, um, Van Houten, uh, she is has always submitted for parole, you know, and it's always denied. It stopped at the at the governor's office. But Newsom, I think like yesterday, Gavin Newsom, you know, the California governor said, like, I'm not going to put a stop if the parole board gives her um, parole. Uh, and they are signaling that they are. So her lawyer saying, like, there's nothing stopping this anymore because it's always just gotten to the desk of the governor. So she's going to be on parole and uh, yeah. she's going to be on the show in a couple yeah. weeks. Here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But anyway, no, but this film. So, yeah, anyway, it's topical. Leslie Van Houten. Is, she's going to be released. And, it's available uh, again, right? It's not like because it was gone for a while, right? You couldn't watch. Yeah, the film yeah. It's it's been unavailable in like two different strange ways, and and I can get into all that. I I befriended the film's director. Um, I think it's just uh, forget the subject for a moment. I think it's a really killer yeah, documentary. I agree. And there's a great backstory of how he got like access to the family. Like he was. You know, uh, it's a documentary, right? And, and in a real sense, and he's a fly on the wall, like we've been talking about all night, where he just hung out at the, their their ranch and uh, just kind of lived among the natives because he was a freak. You know, he was a long hair, yeah. so they trusted him. Yeah. And so he got incredible access is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, the thing that's really weird, it was nominated for an Academy Award. Right. Like there's footage of like Elizabeth Taylor going like, and uh, Manson. You know, yeah, like, <laughs> Lance Hendrickson, whatever the director's yeah. name is. And that's just so weird. And, and it's deservedly yeah. so. So, yeah. yeah, Manson, if you haven't seen it, it's really cool. I don't know how it's available it's on now. It is on YouTube. Okay, yeah. it's on YouTube. Great. It's good. on YouTube. So, if you haven't yeah. seen it, really check it out. You know, and yeah. even if you're like kind of repulsed by like true crime kind of cringe, it's, it's also just an interesting documentary, really. It is. So, Manson from 1973, the deeper cut option, but definitely a very, like I said, topical subject matter. We get into a lot of stuff with the movie and the Manson family and the backstory. It's a cool movie. I think that'd be an episode for people, even if they hadn't seen the film, it might be interesting. So, um, putting my thumb on the scale on that one a little bit, just because it it doesn't have the the notoriety as some of these other movies. Um, (laughs) Uh, and then number four, I mean, I'd love to do any of these. So, uh, and then number four yes. is our, we've been trying to get an Altman on the docket here for one fucking hour a few times. So maybe it'll win. Here we go. Uh, we, of course, have uh, one fucking hour on The Long Goodbye, starring mm-hmm. Elliot Gould. Of course, uh, the Raymond Chandler adaptation. You know, I, I mean, what is there to say about this? It's an incredibly, you know, cool, naturalistic, uh 70s sun-drenched noir um, right uh well it's part of that genre of um they're called like well maybe i just call it that but like the shaggy pis you know like you know like the shaggy shabby sort of schlumpy sort of vaguely hippie half smoked cigarette you know unlit in your uh mouth kind of uh the shaggy pi um you know private investigator and i'm a big elliot gould guy and this is maybe his shining hour like i could watch 90 minutes of him like trying to feed his cat mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of that here so it has those kind of charms it's not really it's one of those films where it's not really about the plot which is a very alton thing it's not really like plot driven it's it's you know lived in it's the character mm-hmm. the characters and it's a good document of like that kind of sour you know like orange sunshine kind of mid-70s southern california uh yeah it's yeah. great i mean a lot of people 
know and love uh, Long Goodbye. And we really should be getting some Altman, you know, jumping yeah. off here. And, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, yep. we're throwing our first salvo out there. There we go. So there's your four flicks. Head over to our Instagram page at one fucking hour. Uh, click on the stories and you can vote for uh, what flick from 1973 we're going to be doing. Uh, either Badlands, Don't Look Now, Manson, or The Long Goodbye. There's your four. Vote now if you're watching this in the first 24 hours of... I like polls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you're going to be... Gold member. Gold yeah. member? <laughs> yeah, right. Austin Powers' third movie. I love polls. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be <laughs> no. doing an audio commentary of that f- film very soon. Oh, uh, any day now. Yeah, so... And you can also vote, of course, if you go right now, uh, also for which audio commentary track we'll be recording next uh, for our Patreon, patreon.com slash one fucking hour. It's the best way to support the show. It's just five bucks a month and you get uh, unfettered access. That's the only way you can get our audio commentary tracks, our uh, feature length ones that we're recording in classic DVD style, uh, DVD special feature style. And so you can vote on one of these four films. It's the most demented lineup of four films that have ever been put together uh, that is i think so <laughs> yeah i'd say so one more yeah. time it's either gonna be requiem for a dream cringe in a bad way yeah <laughs> yeah totally keynote asterisk that uh scarface of course with with pacino uh little man by the wayans brothers <laughs> google that if you're not familiar with that one and um <laughs> Uh, or David Lynch's <laughs> Blue Velvet. Now, never heard of it. Yeah, we have not done any of these films in proper one fucking hour full, right. full one fucking hour form. We have touched on Requiem for a Dream on the show before, but we haven't gone to the full hour on any of these movies. So this will be the only way you'll get us talking about these movies. It's either going to be Requiem, Cringe, Scarface, Little Man, Yay, or Blue Velvet. So let us know. <laughs> What you want to see on the Patreon. And if you're not signed up, please do that. It's uh, patreon.com slash one fucking hour. Again, the best way to support the show. All right, guys. Shall we get out of here? I think we've been... I think yeah. we're ready. Should we get it? Yeah. I mean, we can't let anybody go, though, uh, without that sweet old... Moment. Of zen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I guess we'll see you next week. And um, yeah, happy voting. Get in those polls and we'll see you soon. Polls. (laughs) Bye. I'm the wrath. The wrath of God. Who else is with me? Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. That was wicked, man. <laughs>